What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. You know, that, that introduction is getting longer every time I hear it. I have a question for Evan, who's on the phone. He's not here in the studio with us. Do you ever use your ballsy voice anyplace else but in that no, intro? please don't, don't say that. Do you, Evan? Um, no, Barry, I don't. Listen, listen to Evan. He's got his dauber down. He sounds like a beaten man. He's a beaten man because he's covering, or he was covering, a beaten team. Uh, Evan, how in the world did the did the Texas Rangers, the the team that I wrote was the best prepared for the postseason it had ever been, get pushed out of the of the playoffs, swept out in three games by the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, Kevin, this is going to be a short answer. Uh, the starting rotation failed, particularly the one and two spot. Cole Hamels was supposed to be the guy who was going to go out there and set a tone for the for the postseason, and he got lit up. You uh, Darvish made, uh, in my mind, made three mistake pitches. I think one of the four home runs was just an absolute ridiculous home run. The Kevin Pilar, Pilar. That was, yeah. yeah, you know, up and out of the zone by about four feet, but. That was why this team was supposedly the most prepared because it had the one and two to go to battle with anybody. And at the end of the day, you know, the Rangers posted the highest ERA for a postseason series ever by any single team. Ever. And that um, is really saying, and it's 1354. Was that not it? 1394. It actually 94. tied with San Diego in the World Series in 1984, but they didn't do all that well either. No. Um, and, you know, when Alex Claudio ties for the team lead in innings pitch in, in this series, um, it's, a, it's a bad time. And there's just nothing there, – there's nothing really that goes beyond – I mean, we can sit here and break down a lot of stuff. There were guys who didn't perform offensively like they should. But these two guys were supposed to give the Rangers a 2-0 lead going back to Toronto. We're supposed to guarantee that a fifth game, if played – was going to be in Texas, and they never got the Rangers off the ground. Why? Why was Kevin so easily snookered by this team? Because <laughs> uh, what did I tell you after watching the first inning of the first game? Here's Kevin? what he said to me. I I, I I I can't remember why I was. You uh, called me. I called, we you, were talking, and you said that they just went down like dogs. And, and I said, "It's the first inning of the first game, Barry. They just showed no." Uh, and I don't, I don't want to say that, that that Barry looked prescient in that in that uh, in that precious? situation. I look precious. No prescient. Okay. Uh, I, the, that wasn't prescient at all. But it, it, I mean, Hamels just Hamels no. gave up the big the the runs in the second inning, um, and they you know it, it just got worse from there. And and 
with that Toronto team, just like we saw last year in Game 3, once they smell blood, once that offense smells blood, they capitalize on it. And they homered, I believe they out-homered the Rangers in these six games that they've won over the last two postseasons, now 14-3. to um, Their offense is really good, and if you make mistakes, they make you pay. I want to just say about that Toronto team that – because you were very proud of the fact that you predicted how many of the playoff teams? Nine. Nine. Nine of the – all but one of the playoff teams Evan predicted. Yeah, as he's told us 100,000 times. The true. only team he missed on was the Astros. I, I said, though, the, the team that I predicted before the season, not, not, not recently, but before the season, is still in the hunt, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. And I and I and I picked them because of that offense and because of they of their they had some really good starting pitching. Evan, so it's, I, that, that, I want to say this: that's a really dangerous team. As, as poorly as the Rangers played, that is a you know when you've got three starters going as well as they do, and you have that offense, and then you correct. and then you look at the defense. The third baseman, the center fielder, are two of the best defenders in the game. So. That's a you know Russell Martin's pretty good. So yeah, that, and that's that's, that's a good one team. thing that I think needs to be said is the Rangers didn't the Rangers two two top starters didn't pitch well. Yes, we know that, but Toronto just outplayed them in every aspect of the game with the with the potential exception of of the bullpen. You know the Rangers bullpen performed pretty well um, with the exception of Jake Diekman, but Toronto outperformed them in every aspect. When the Rangers made a mistake, Toronto turned it into runs. And when Toronto. Uh, Yes, Barry. Evan, Go ahead and change uh, the subject. No, I'm not going to change the subject, but I, but I think you're letting you're letting the Rangers batters, the hitters, uh, the guys that they really expected production from. I think you're letting them off too easily. I, you know, when, when they got Beltran, everybody. I was in New York when they got Beltran, and they said Rangers just won the postseason. He's the greatest postseason hitter in the history of, of baseball. Beltran didn't give them much. Uh, Ian Desmond didn't give them much. Um, by no stretch of the imagination did their offense give them anything close to what they expected. And, you know, if you look at 2-3-4, you look at Donaldson, Encarnacion, Bautista versus Desmond, Beltran, and Beltre, the, the Jays thoroughly outclassed the Rangers. But the Rangers, the Rangers never led at the end of an inning in this series. Um, and they trailed early in all three games. Uh, and because of that, you know, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the offense against good pitching. Let um, me ask you this, Sam. This they had th- lots of opportunities in Game 2 and didn't capitalize. And this, again, I think is where where the home run becomes so much more valuable in the postseason uh, because it does change. the. It, 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 it is instant offense. Uh, you don't have to capitalize on multiple mistakes by a pitcher in the course of an inning. Um or rely on multiple mistakes by a pitcher in the course of an inning to score runs, and it changes the in, entire energy in the stadium. And Toronto, Toronto does that as well as anybody. In the in the first game against Marco Estrada, how many? Do you, off the top of your head, how many pitches Marco Estrada ended up throwing? And he pitched into the ninth inning. Yeah, he threw under a hundred pitches. Which threw is under a hundred pitches, which is unbelievable that you could get in a playoff game, you could get into the ninth inning and throw under a hundred pitches. 
Uh, well, and, I, and I think that was, to me, that was what was wrong with the Rangers in this game, in this series, until the third game. I think they did finally in the, in the game three start to try to be a little more patient, work the cat a little more, because here's the thing you wanted to, to do against Toronto was get into that bullpen, which was absolutely. very, very poor. And, but, they, and, and yet they were overeager and hacking almost from the start. They were overeager against Estrada for sure, and I think using Estrada in Game One was a really was a real stroke of brilliance for John Gibbons. That changeup uh, has the ability, I, in my mind, to mess with players' timing, and I do think it took some time for the Rangers to kind of recover from that. Jeff Bannister disagrees with me on that, but but that that's my narrative, and that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, and he executed his pitches really well. Um, he, he, after that. Look, the Rangers' approach in Game 2, I think, was fine. They used the middle of the field. They wrapped out 13 hits. They took a couple of walks. But you can't, you know, you, you have to string three singles together in order to score a run. And Toronto, you know, every time they got a mistake, it was, it was a, a pitch that was drivable, and the guys in the middle of the order capitalized on it. And, yeah, listen, Going two for 18 with runners in scoring position in game two is, is unacceptable. But this team did put themselves in position time after time, and, and they you know they had a base running mistake by Ian Desmond in game two that cost them a run. Uh, and, and, and yet they still came to the plate in the ninth with, a, with the leadoff runner on second base and a chance to tie that game. And they just couldn't make it happen. Now let's let's go to Game Three because uh, as I'm watching Game Three with my oldest son Jake, uh, we're discussing. It gets down to the ninth inning, and uh, first of all, the eighth inning, Matt Bush comes in and does a phenomenal job. Uh, yeah, goes into the ninth inning, and and I was sure that that Bannister would stick with Bush at that point, and he did. And then he went back with him one more time, and it didn't work out. But I'll I'll say this: well, it could have worked out. Could have worked out, sure for sure. You get the double play, but I I I, I saw that written a couple of places. Could have worked out even if you. It, it could have worked out even if you don't get the double play. Absolutely. Stop the ball at first, but absolutely. Because here's the thing: to me, uh, he gave up one hit. He gave up a double, and that was it. That right. was really all right. he all he did wrong. I thought the kid was. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He's thirty years old, but he was phenomenal in that performance. I, I thought that was. Yeah, it's kind of the grotesque absurdity of is that Matt Bush ends up a loser in that game. He was he was arguably the most impressive pitcher the Rangers ran out in, yes. in really any game during the series. And, um, uh, you know, I think the third inning, I was a little bit surprised he came out for the third inning, but I, I, I also understood why they, they went back to him. And he did the job. He, you know, they they. After the double, they, they created the double play situation, got the strikeout, and then, you know, we're in position to get a double play there. And they they just didn't get it turned, and, and they turned bad things to worse when they couldn't control the ball. And, you know, the, the worst part about that, well, there were two bad things. It, it's just so similar to last year's defensive collapse in that you had multiple people involved in it. I mean, first right. of all, you know, Elvis's throw to second was not good. It was low. And so then he has to reach down and get it and come up. He rushes his throw for some reason. You got Russell Martin running. You got plenty of time to make a good throw here, and he rushed the throw and yanked it to his left. And then when when Mitch comes off the bag and he the ball he's not really short hopping, and it, it bounced a good eight or nine feet in front of him. Uh, plenty of time for him to get it. It hits in his glove. 
But his footwork looks so bad on that. He's stu- he's he's up high. He he, he fumbles it, uh, and then he can't go home in time to get. Yeah, if, if I'm assessing blame on that play, um, percentage of blame for me, more of it comes down to Moreland than anything else. Elvis was going deep into the hole with a longer feed than usual. Um, the throw was low, uh, for sure. Odor got it. He had Encarnacion barreling down on him at second base. It was a clean slide all the way. No issue with the slide, but he was coming in and he had to he, and he did rush it a little bit, which I think you know your 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 body clock in that situation is is going to probably naturally rush unless you you are absolutely an elite defender. And we know that of all the things that Odor does well, defense is still his his weakest point. And then you've got the guy at first base who has. Statistically, um, according to the defensive run save metric, has been the best in the American League this year. And I thought that in that situation, when Mitch saw the ball was offline, either he needed to come and get it, or he needed to be already in a position where he wasn't, as you said. I mean, his feet almost got tangled up there. It, it looked like, yeah. and and that's why the ball kind of kind of hit the glove and, and came out. And really, I. Uh, in real time, you know, things happen in real time. Then I looked at it in slow motion. In real time, it looked to me like it, like he was slow and reacting to going after the ball. When I looked at it in slow motion, it looked like he did go after the ball. But Donaldson got a, Donaldson got a great read. Um, even after he had stopped at third base, got a great read that the ball wasn't corralled and took a chance, and, and he beat the throw. And, and so if, if it comes down to me, you know, if you're assessing blame, it's, it's maybe 45% on Moreland, and then you can divide up the other – the other percentage is how you want. Now, if we go back to and take it, let's take another defensive play because the game would have been over in the in the Keone Kella uh, relief appearance when he Passable. he throw that the, the pass ball is called on Lucroy, and and in, in my estimation, that's a little harsh given that to to the catcher in that position. He's he's set up on the inside part of the plate. The throws on the outside corner of the plate. He has to turn his glove all the way over, and it's a fastball. Besides, you know, and, and Keller throws awfully hard. That's a really tough ball to corral at that point. Who do you think that was? Uh, whose fault was that? Um, I, the three of us, Fraley, Kalisha, and I, all sitting there. I, I think Jerry's first impression was was fastball. My first impression was wild pitch. Um, Tim, as usual, just kind of rode the fence. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I I don't I don't recall exactly what Tim's opinion was on it, but I, I think you really I think you really could have gone either way. I, I didn't um, I didn't notice how far inside Luke Troy was set up, but if you're going to miss by that much in that situation, then I do think you have to consider that the pitcher missed his his location and thus the pitch was errant. So. You could make a case for it being a wild pitch, but that's that's simply a pitch there that that has to be stopped. You've got the tying run at third base. Uh, you you've got to get a glove on that ball and stop it. And uh, and they don't stop it, and that run scores. And if they if it, that does that play right there doesn't happen. If that pitch does not happen, they win that game. I think that's very possible. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the issue for me. Is that uh, and let's go back to some other things to talk about for this Ranger team is that there's no question that your one and two starters stunk it up, and that's why they lost, right? There, there's no question about that. But I think sometimes the postseason illuminates things that are problems for your team. And what we saw was that 
in in this series, we had as as well as Ian Desmond played in center field. And here's a guy that took over a position he never played before and played it really well. And I don't want to diminish that in any way because he was he was terrific considering where he came. And, from. and now you're going to diminish it. Well, but here's the thing: he did make 12 errors in the outfield this year, and right. and he right. did he did lead. Was it all outfielders or just center fielders in errors? I I I think it was center fielders. Um, and, and then and he I had to play the numbers in front of me. And of course, we had to play in center field where he did not go into the fence uh, to make that catch. And and to me, right. uh, with the bases loaded, he makes that catch. It's a two to nothing game, and Cole is still in the game. And maybe he starts to figure things out a little bit. He did have another bad inning after that. There's right. no question. Right. But it's a different game. It's a two to nothing game instead of a five to nothing game. It, it, you have to go into the fence to make that catch. It doesn't matter where you think the fence is. You go into it as hard as you can. It's the playoffs. It's two to nothing. The I, bases are loaded. I Listen, I, I completely agree with you, Kevin. Um, but I also have to take into consideration, first of all, he went a long way for that ball. Let, let, let's let's make let, let's make it clear that if sure. he made that catch, it would have been a well above average catch. Absolutely. Secondly, Secondly, if there was one situation in which the, the, the start time may have played a, a role, it was this, because that ball was hit right into the spot where the, he was going so. from, the, from the sun into the shadows. Uh, and, and so you had a very you had a quick change in almost what your background was and, and what your judgment was. Another thing that Jeff Bannister mentioned is that the angle that he entered the warning track from he probably took more strides on the warning track than usual, which set off his internal sensor because those outfielders all know I've got two steps to the wall or I've got three steps to the wall. And so logic all tells you you got to go into the wall there. You got to make every effort. You got to, you know, your, your health be damned. But I think the physical aspect and everything you train yourself with is it sets off all the alarms that you're bracing yourself for, 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 for impact. Not that you're afraid to go in the wall, but you're, a brace, you're bracing yourself for impact, and, and the catch doesn't get made. And is that a catch that a more experienced center fielder makes? I think it's possible. Um, uh, but I, I, I do think that I, I think you sit back here and you say, yeah, that's a catch that should be made. But I certainly understand why it ends up not getting made as well. You know, I, I just... I, I can't sit here and say it was a that that Desmond failed. I, I think that there are extenuating circumstances. No, I don't. You don't. He didn't fail in that position. But here's the point. I, I raise this point. I'm I'm going to finish it out. Okay, Gosh. is that the 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 one thing to me that would cause you to pull up at the wall is not the fact that you're going to hit the wall. Uh, is that you're going to pull up if you think I can't get this? I got to play it on the bounce and I got to keep right. it. But that was the thing. He didn't get that either. He pulled up, and the ball bounced back past him, which has allowed it to be a triple. And so, right. so it was it was a complete. And I'm with you on this. Oh. I, I'm I'm giving the guy credit for for everything here. But in in great situations, these are the things that you remember. The you know. Oh, these are the things that make or break series. Absolutely, you, know, you make this and catch, and then that, and everybody says this is the thing. One, this is why the Rangers won the World Series. Ian Desmond went into exactly. the wall to make that catch. And it, it, it's not again. It, to me, it's not so much. Uh, a case of, well, he failed here. If he had made the catch, you say, oh, my God, that's a great catch. It changes the course of the game. Maybe the Rangers come back up against Estrada. Who knows what happens? Um, but 
the, the catch doesn't get made, and I think that we often hear, and, and I think Desmond as well would, would sit here at this point in time and say, that's the catch I needed to make. I, I think the bigger mistake that Desmond made during the series was the base running blunder in game two right. when ground ball hit to the left side. The, the, where the Blue Jays were playing, everything suggested that they were willing to give up a, a run for an out right there. They were playing back. Um, there was nothing to suggest that there was no reason to go there. And Ian flinched. Um, he flinched, and he almost leaned back towards third base. And, and that cost the Rangers a run there, and it, it changed. You know, if you want to play the what-if game, that, then all of a sudden you go to the ninth inning and you get that leadoff. If you get that leadoff double, then you're one run down. You can advance the guy, and, and, and your, your, your bats have completely different complexion than trying to tie the game there. So um, with, with, with a home run or something like that. Well, let me ask an off-the-wall question here. Oh, my God. No, seriously. Seriously. Do the Rangers play enough day games? Look, when the postseason comes, the Rangers are going to be playing day games from now for the next decade. Okay? It's just, it's depending it, on who they're playing, Barry. It, it, no, it, you know playing. what? It doesn't depend who they're playing. It also depends who's, in the, who's on the other uh, part of the, part of the uh, ALDS. Okay. And there's always going right. to be a more attractive team. Television hates the Texas Rangers. I'm telling you that right that, now. That, that, now. Here's what te- television loves the Boston Red Sox. That's correct. Television loves the New York Yankees. Correct. And if the Rangers had been playing the Red Sox or the Yankees, that series That's right, been because the Rangers, the Rangers are, not, are not the focus. It's, who, it's, it's the opposition that's the focus. And, television. But, but, but that's the case. Listen, that's the case with who uh, Do you think that Cleveland Indians were attractive to the network? No. It all comes down to those two teams. No, so it, it's, this it's, was not so much a slap at the Rangers. Oh, it was a huge sport. slap at the Rangers. Uh, you know, we, I, I know you think it was the Red Sox, and yes, the Red Sox, but there were, I'm telling you, the California teams, the television would like would rather have the Angels on than than the Rangers. They they take the White Sox every day over the Rangers. There's there's a lot of markets they don't like so the Texas so Rangers. I'm telling you. So you're so but, you're saying that if if the larger markets than Dallas Fort Worth, if Chicago or L.A. Well, Boston's, had been in the in the postseason, then the networks would have gone for the markets larger than Texas. Is that what you're saying? It, I'm telling you, market size doesn't That's matter. Boston, Boston's a smaller market. We know that, okay? But the interest, the television interest in, in the Red Sox, you can't even compare to the television interest. I hate in to the, do this, but I'm, I'm going to so agree with Barry on but this. But you made your point already. Okay, Barry. but so uh, so here's my point. Let me make my let me. So can the Rangers play to have a home field advantage, which, which is what they played for all season? And you know that the likelihood is they're going to play day games, okay? Why not play more day games during the regular season to prepare for this? Because you'd be fried, that's why. Well, but, okay. Until, until they put that retractable roof over the stadium, which so is wait a still minute. Uh, the uh, air, uh, Again, let me ask you a question. You're going to set up your schedule during the course of the season, attendance and fans be damned, because let's face facts, everyone, every fan that we heard from in the last week bitched and moaned about the starting time being unfair to the Rangers and their fans. Correct. Correct. So now, what you're going to do is during the regular season, you're going to say, "Screw the fans. We're going to start at one o'clock or in th- the event that we get to the playoffs, yep. and we might have two games a- a- during the day." Yes, I would. I would. This is this is a team okay, well, that prepares for everything. Having no. the ballpark in Arlington and downtown Dallas. 
Well, well, that's that's. I, I think this issue. was a bad idea. I, I, you're right. You were right about the that the, the, they don't like the Rangers because Evan. Here's one of the things. I know this sounds stupid. When I look on the ESPN scoreboard and I go up there and I click on uh, on their website on my phone and I and I yeah. and I click on there and it gives me a, a partial listing of scores. The Rangers are right. never one of the teams they list. I had to go to a full scoreboard before I can find the Texas Rangers on there. Yeah, and again, listen, this is not – I, I do not think that the national networks hate the Rangers. I do think it comes down to that they aren't – they don't have the iconic appeal that even the Chicago teams and, and the L.A. teams do, basically because those are larger markets and that those are, those are places where people have fanned out and, and moved to other places. The, the Rangers had zero national television games during the regular season, zero. Yes, they had zero national television games this year. That is correct. And a large, uh, I also think that a large part of that, Barry, comes down to this. How many times a year do they play the Boston Red Sox and the New York well, Yankees? That's, that's a great point. And, and a point, the, the Rangers being in the AL West is devastating to them uh, from a national uh, It's devastating to them from an, interest, from an interest perspective on the national level, for sure. Yeah. All right, let, me sure. get, let me get um, back. Before Barry distracted us with this crazy question about playing more no, day games. No, 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 that's good. We've, we've hammered that I, on. I'm gonna, Kevin, when, you, when we get to the press conference today, will you make sure and ask John Daniels? I'm going to ask you that. Let me go, my first question. We, okay, I, I, we, didn't, we didn't chase this all the way out. Because one of the other issues with the with the Rangers this year, despite the fact that they had so many double plays this year, I believe they, they let, did they not lead the league in double plays this year? They did, they, they, and they nearly set a team record. I think they ended with 187, maybe? Yes, and that's, and that's phenomenal to, to do that. But uh, uh, Rudy Odor also made, what, 22 errors that led all second yeah, basemen. Correct. Uh, yeah. and, and see, these are – and, of course, he's, he's just 22 years old, and, and he's already yeah. had a phenomenal start to his career. But these are great issues that he needs to work on. First of all, 19 walks during the regular season, terrible. Uh, Nineteen walks has got. Nineteen walks has got to be improved. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he, he, and I believe Andres Galarraga are the only players in Major League Baseball history to have more than 30 home runs and less than 20 walks in the same season. Um, that's got to be improved. Uh, the defense has, has has got to be improved. There were times this year when he looked like he got very much into a groove defensively, um, and then there were times when he looked very much. Uh, um, unprepared or, or caught or caught off balance. And, and I, I do think that, you know, if you want to take – you look at the end of the series, you look how it ended. Um, last year you were in the clubhouse with me after the game, uh, game five. This year, almost a similar situation, you know. And Odor's standing at his locker. Everybody in the world wants to ask him what happened on that play. And – Last year, that was Elvis, and Elvis said, this is going to be a motivation. This is not going to define me. I am going to come back a better player. You can only hope at this point in time that the same thing holds true for Rugnet Odor. He said all the same things, uh, but you can only hope that, that he'll apply it in the same way. And I, I go to this. Odor came up to the big leagues um, at the age of 20, caught a lot of people by surprise. Next year, when people had a little bit of a scouting report on him, uh, he was very much exposed very early on. Went back to the minor leagues, came back six weeks later, was an offensive force all of last year, was an offensive force all of this year, and, and an even better power hitter than he was last year. So to me, his track record, his very brief track record, is that this guy learns from uh, his, uh, 
his shortcomings and his mistakes. And I expect that this will be a real project for him this, this offseason and next year. And I don't think he's ever going to be Roberto Alomar at second base, but he certainly can be a lot smoother. There's no reason why he can't be a better. Yeah, he's a good athlete. There's no reason why he can't be uh, a more consistent. You know, to me, he's very similar to Elvis uh, in that uh, Elvis's problems have always been lapses of concentration. And and I think that I think what we see what we see with Odor is as much the same thing, uh, just not bearing down on every play like he needs to. Well, and, and here's the thing: if you the percentage increase is marginal at best, but you know when I broke down or looked at the the numbers on um, his routine plays versus likely plays versus you know kind of toss up plays, uh, this, this database that I looked at had a very slight increase in how he handled routine plays this year. So um, that's the most important thing. Uh, I think that there are that there are plays. Particularly, I feel like particularly when he's in the shift a little bit um, and when he's playing deeper than normal on the second base side, I feel like that causes him more problems than than uh, it should. And I think that's something he'll have to work on too. All right, Evan, where do the Rangers go from here? Uh, you know, Barry, I, I think that, that Kevin um, – We'll address this, I, I believe, for the paper tomorrow. But uh, I, I think the big project now becomes: what do you do about about the full starting rotation? Uh, you still feel like you've got a one and two for for 2017, and and uh, I think you've got to find you've got to find a well-rounded rotation. Colby Lewis was not in a position to succeed going into Game 3. I think everybody in the world felt like if this team was on the brink in Game 3, they really had no shot, and that's what happened. Uh, you don't really – Derek Holland, you have an option on him that you either have to pick up at $11 million or you have to let him walk, and there's a lot of reasons to think that that um, that Derek Holland uh, may be done as a starter here. Um, I still think that if you – if you look at the market and you, you you look at eleven million dollars, I think that's going to be pretty decent uh, value for a number four starter. But the question is, can he be a number four starter? Can he give you one hundred and seventy innings? Can he give you a four ERA in that spot? Martin Perez is twenty five, but he's still got some growing he's got to do. I, I do think it was a big big step for him this year to get to two hundred innings, and I do think that there is there's place for him to go but I don't know that I I don't know that I view Martin Perez as a number three starter in a championship rotation I think in in a championship rotation he's a number four um there's nobody at the minor league level right now that you would say is ready to step in in the way that Aaron Sanchez has in in uh in Toronto uh both Nick Martinez and Chichi Gonzalez took steps back this year you traded away more minor league pitching to in the trades that you made this this uh, July for for guys uh, for your for your lineup, the free agent market is thin. The prices are going to be very high on the trade market. It's going to be a real challenge for the Rangers to put together this rotation again next year in a way that they will that they will be deep and uh, balanced all the way through. I, I think that is the number one project. And uh, I think it's also a big long-term project because this team, 
you know, again, look at it. You, you look at Holland made his big league debut in 2009, I believe, and Perez made his big league debut in 2012. We're now going on five years since the Rangers have brought up and developed a starter who is a mainstay in their rotation. Uh, Evan, do you think it's possible that John Daniels can sell to the fans, because we haven't, uh, at this point, we have not yet talked to him at the press conference. Can he sell to the fans, look, this was unfortunate how it ended, but we're just going to try to bring it back. I don't think it'll come back largely intact anyway. I, I think it'll have a difficult time. Resigning Ian Desmond, a decision to make on Carlos Beltran. Uh, I, I do think you know Luke Roy's coming back anyway because of his contract, but they will try to extend him as right. well. Right. I think I think it's very possible that Luke Roy and Gomez come back, and that Desmond walks, Mitch Moreland walks. Um, uh, I, I think that Beltran is uh, uh, is a toss up, um, but. Whatever changes need to be made this off season, there's got to be an awful lot of focus on on, on adding depth to the starting rotation, and and that's you can't put it any more plainly. I mean, it showed up in in the postseason. It showed up in the second half this year. Um, they did a great job to get a number one and a number two. Unfortunately, the number one and number two did not perform, and 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 that is going to happen. You know those. There are going to be occasions where those guys get beat up in one start. But the Rangers can't be in a position where their entire postseason hinges on the number one and number two. They have to feel like they've got more options. Let me ask you this about the guys uh, who have been traded away. And, of course, we know that Philadelphia shoved three of the guys they got in the uh, Cole Hamill trade into their rotation this year. And we have Kyle Hendricks in in Chicago. Uh, Who is – the best pitcher that would have been the would have been a number three for this rotation who has been traded is that Kyle Hendricks? Uh, well, I mean, if you go based on this year, yeah, you'd certainly say Kyle Hendricks. If if you go on who they traded away this year, uh, I think Luis Ortiz is the guy that that really hurt for them to give up, and uh, that's a guy who I think was on the brink of being ready to to pitch in the big leagues and. And now there's there's kind of a there's kind of a gap, you know. Is Johan Mendez ready? The, the scouts that I talked to are 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 mixed in their opinions. There um, uh, is Jose Leclerc ready. The, the scouts are are very mixed there. I, I think the next best hope is left-hander Brett Martin, but he pitched at Class A this past year. So there is um, the, there is uh, there's a, again a gap in these the starting possibilities that are in the rotation. Rangers went out and turned those guys like Jake Thompson and Jared Eikhoff and Alec Asher uh, and, and, and Ortiz and Dylan Tate. They went out and turned those guys into some very formidable players. But we're sitting here again in the middle of October. They're looking at planning on 2017, and the question is, how do they fill out their rotation? So let me ask you this question here as we get ready to wrap this up. Um, do the Rangers, to get that starter that they need, that number three, which I agree that they need to have, that Martin Perez is a four, do they give up Profar and Gallo to get it? Well, I think they they certainly have to consider it at this point in time. But the question is, how how far has Gallo's value been diminished by the fact that right, he, he right. basically didn't make contact this year? Right. Um how how much has Profar's value been diminished by the fact that 
he's now going to be have three plus years of major league experience. That after after first after a good May and June when he came up here, he struggled in kind of a bench role. Um, will they? Will that be enough to go out and get them somebody, or are they going to have to consider that hey, we'd be willing to trade No More Mazzara for a young starting pitcher? And that be because that's what's going to be. Teams are going to come to them and say, "Yeah, you want our number three? Yeah, we hear that you're offering Gallo and Sofar now, but now we want Mazzara or Adore." Yeah, and that's a, that's an awfully tough call. But here's the thing about this organization: as as well as they've done building this farm system, and as as good a job as John Daniels has done bringing in pieces and doing things and putting them in places to play, they still haven't produced a top-end pitcher. No, no. That is, that is a, that has been a flaw. That, and I, I would not say that they haven't produced, they have not produced a top-end pitcher. Not, certainly not for their own organization. They have produced pitchers in the guys like Perez and Wilson and, and Holland. They have gotten serviceable starting pitchers. But they haven't produced one now in five years, and and that's going to put a team in a in a hole long term when you go that long without being able to develop someone. Evan, it's been great having you on here. We'd love to have you back sometime uh, when you got it, when you got it, some uh, some time. You can work us into the schedule. It'd be great. I think that'll be next week, Kevin. Is that right? Oh yeah, I'll be there next week with you guys. To, Chat jovially and um, take control of the podcast back. Uh, I, I'm very. Tommy's laughing at that. Tommy thinks about that guy. Tommy just said that guy's got the biggest head of anybody. You know, because Tommy, our producer, said our first two podcasts today, the one with Gil Brandt and the one with uh, Kirk, Bowles. Kirk Bowles, were the two finest podcasts he's heard all true. year. That is not true. Oh, don't don't crawfish, Tommy. Come on. Tommy said it's just so great to work with a couple of pros for a change. So he, right. he was very complimentary. No, Evan, we realize this is your podcast, Evan, and, and that Barry we, we and just I, we just exist here just, to serve you. We're just here to clean up. That's all we're here Good. for. Good, and don't you forget it either. Okay. Evan, we'll see you out there this afternoon. Listen, I love you both like the brothers. I'm glad I never had. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. So, bye, Evan. I, I, I just think that sometimes, and, and here's a point I would have made had I been given some more time. A chance to talk? Yeah. To ask more stupid questions? Well, let me tell you about the, the, the ratings. Let's talk about ratings. No, no, I, I agree with you 100% about all of that. Okay. And, and, but even the hometown ratings for, for the series, were, they, were, they were horrible. That's, that's true. They were horrible. You didn't reach double digits on, on a Sunday night in the, in the game, and people could say the debates were going on. The Sunday night football game. Beat the Texas Rangers in this market. In this market, that's terrible. That's terrible. You know, and I think it says something to John Daniels. Doesn't I think it, it says something. Should say something to ownership. Otherwise, yes. their heads their heads are in the sand. But they're going to build the stadium again. Build a new stadium out there in Arlington. Oh, well, sure. It's a mistake. Well, if they if they if they approve it, yeah. Uh, but but you know that's uh, I, I don't think it's any, to me. It's a really hard sell in this market just to say, well, shoot, it just didn't work out, and we're just going to have to – and I don't think that John Daniels is going to do that. And here's why. We didn't really get to this point, is that this is an older team. You yeah. know, you've got some younger players. You've got Odor. You've got Mazzara. Uh, those are two young guys. Uh, but for the most part, these guys are in their late 20s, early 30s. I mean, look at Matt Bush. I think Matt Bush could be the closer for this team I next think, year. Yeah, we could have gotten to that. I, I think I'm going to He's 30 years old. You yeah. know, but he's young. But he has. A young, oh, he's a young thirty. He's a young 30. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how much longer he's going to play. But that's the thing. There's, 
you know, you're only going to have Darvish for a short amount of time now. You don't think, I, I don't think he'll resign here. No. Because? I think they'll try to resign him Oh, here. yeah. But, no, he's going to want to be like everybody else. He wants to go to a, go one of the coasts. He wants to go to one of the coasts, and, and I think that's the kind of guy he is. He's not – look, you can always tell a guy who likes living in Texas, likes this market, likes all that kind of stuff. I don't think Darvish is one of those guys. And so, uh, you know, and Cole Hamels is – who knows what we're gonna, you're going to get from Cole Hamels. The, the, to me, the way you have to look at this is what we always criticize Jerry Jones for. He's always too optimistic, right? Right. Oh, no, this is all right. This is going to be good. This right. is all going to be great. And Ranger fans want to believe that about the Rangers. Uh, but you have to go at it pessimistically. You have to say, is Cole Hamels on his way down here? I don't think he is. I mean, I think he can sustain the effort he had this year, which was, which is plenty good, except for when they got to the playoff. Well, but the end, the end of the and season the end, was not problems. terrific either. He had, he had too many walks this year. You there's think no, he's no hurt? Question. You think there's an injury there? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, he doesn't look like it. His, his velocity, you always look at velocity. His velocity was up. And he was throwing 95. He hasn't thrown 95 in years. And I think that was one of the problems. He was overthrowing a little bit. And I, I do think if he could have got into the fourth or fifth inning, I think he would have been fine. We saw that at, at times this year. Now you're sounding like a fan. Well, no, no. We saw that at times this year with him. Struggle coming out of the gate. He's always a little slow right. starter. And then if he could have gotten that, if it was two to nothing going into the fourth inning, well, then I think he, he might have been fine. Uh, so, you know, we don't, we don't ever know. But I'm just saying, I think that, that this ownership and this general manager has to show these fans, we get it. We get the fact that y'all are disappointed in this. We're disappointed, too. This was not good enough. And that we are going to make another effort here to do something to, to produce a winner here next year. And I think the thing you have to do, they've got hitters. They, the, the lineup's good enough. You know, They have to improve their defense, for one thing. And there's no question about that in my mind. But... Uh, and I think if Carlos Gomez is playing center field instead of Ian Desmond, I, I, I love Ian Desmond. I thought he was terrific. I think Carlos Gomez is a better center fielder, uh, frankly. So who's going to play first base next year? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I would have thought I, if they if they don't trade Gallo, I, I, my estimation was they would end up doing a platoon with Gallo, maybe in Ryan Rua, and do something like like that there. But here's the crazy thing that we're worried about: who's going to play first base? You know. You're, you're, when you and I were growing up, did, did anybody ever think about who, who's the first baseman going to be? No, it, because the Yankees had Joe Pepitone. They, they, they or, didn't need anybody or, better or, than or that. Or Moose Gowron. Uh, Kurt Bleffery was there. Kurt Bleffery, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lots of, lots of guys. But the thing is, you should be able to find a first baseman. That shouldn't be an issue. Uh, so I, I think they can work out something at first base. Uh, it's not going to be, and, and I agree with Evan, it's not going to be Mitch Moreland. So we'll, we'll see what's going to happen here. Anyway, it's time for us to get out of here. Tommy's ready to go to lunch. I'm ready to go to lunch. You're ready to go to lunch. I have a lunch engagement. And you, you missed it by 20 minutes. No, minutes. I looked it up. It's noon. Oh, but I, I, I don't know. We're, we're going to talk women's final four at lunch. Oh, okay, there you go. There's right. a conversation ender, isn't it? Yes, that, yes, that is. That's all I'm going to say. Tommy, take us out of here. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.